You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening from Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. It's three deep for the Illini Inquirer podcast today as we have Ryan Easterling joining us with Joey Wagner and Jeremy Warner as well, talking about another heartbreaking, close, last-minute loss for Illinois football, which ends the season losing four out of five, ending the season eight and one. But they had a seven-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Uh, against Mississippi State, a team obviously playing with a lot of emotion uh, and a team that was pretty full strength uh, given uh, that they didn't have any opt-outs, had a couple guys missing from the transfer portal. But another close loss, Joey. This is the third loss. Illinois has lost the lead or a tie in the final 30 seconds. Uh, Just a painful way but kind of a fitting way for, for Illinois football to end this season. Yeah, Ryan and I were down on the field, and Ryan nailed it. He looked over and goes, kind of Indiana, huh? And you could feel it brewing. Uh, The offense really stalled out there in the second half. I know we're going to get into what that looked like. And and the defense kind of got dinked and dunked again on that last drive. Like Mississippi State, you you called it, Jeremy. They were consistent in just that middle of the field. I, I I can't wait for the PFS stats to see how many of those passes were completed within 10 yards in, in the middle of the field. It felt like they just made a lot of a lot of plays in that area. And then they did it again on the final drive. It's That's kind of the next step. Not kind of it. I think that is the next step for Illinois is, is to figure out ways to get over the hump and close those out. Because it's kind of how this thing started. Week one, technically it's Illinois' second game, but week one of the season at Indiana, and you, you close out here. But yeah, you saw it coming. You saw it coming there early in the fourth quarter. Ryan, what would you say is the biggest reason Illinois lost this game? I, to me, I think part of it was the run game. Um, you know, they really struggled to move the ball on the ground, and that's been the staple of the offense all year. And, you know, they, they missed the hell out of Chase Brown today. I'm not saying that having him would have changed the outcome, but I think it definitely gave them a lot better chance to win. Um, you know, they even taking away DeVito's sack yards, they almost got doubled up by Mississippi State rushing. So that's not – typical of a Brett Bielema coach team. So I, I felt like there were times when they started getting the run game moving a little bit and they, the offensive line got into a rhythm and they had some churn, but otherwise it felt pretty disjointed in the run game today. Ryan, I also thought the passing game, well, it had its moments. Uh, Isaiah Williams had a career high 114 yards. And if he didn't lateral uh, on that last play that went for a touchdown for, for Mississippi State, um, he would have had over 160, I believe. So getting him more involved, I think, was a sign of what Barry Lunny is going to do here in the future. But I didn't think Tommy DeVito was particularly strong in his final game. There are a couple passes I thought he just missed. Um, and then th- this could go with the offensive coordinator as well, but a lot of verticals today. And, and that led to Tommy holding the ball 
a little bit longer. Maybe maybe need some more routes to come in, but uh, he got pressure in his face all day. Seven sacks uh, Illinois allowed today. Uh, it seemed like that was a mix of the offensive line, quarterback, and maybe play calling. But what did you see there? Because Tommy had a couple plays where it felt like, man, missed a guy and was just a little bit off. Yeah, there were, there were a number of times where I felt like he probably held onto the ball a little bit too long. Some of that probably just waiting for routes to develop. Some of that was cases where the receivers didn't get the separation they needed. I mean, there were a few times where he threw the ball and the receivers were pretty well covered and he really had no choice. It was either that or take the sack. But I thought there were, there were several times in that game where he held onto the ball um, and let the pressure get to him because the offensive line, for the most part, Really, they held up fairly well, for, you know, for a few seconds, uh, but they weren't able to give him the same kind of protection in passing today that Will Rogers got from Mississippi State. I, I thought if you look at the other side of the ball, Mississippi State was actually pretty good in pass protection. And and I think that was one of those things with the internal clock of DeVito. Maybe he was just kind of, you know, had some nerves, some jitters, but um, – you know, I, I thought he maybe held on to it too long, maybe tried to make too many of those big plays rather than taking what the defense and his offensive line was giving him. Joey, uh, Barry Lunny's offense certainly better this year than what Illinois' offense was a year ago. But the lack of consistency was certainly frustrating. They weren't able to run the ball today. Part of that, obviously, was Chase Brown not being here. But but I asked Brett Bielma, what's the next step? Year two for Barry Lunny and his offense. And I thought his answer was interesting. One was consistency, but two was identity. And I think that's a fair question. Even though Barry, I think this offense is better, but what is the identity? What does he lean on? I think he's got to still figure that out, even though he certainly was better than his predecessor. There were certainly games this season where Illinois' offense kept Illinois from winning, and I think that includes today because defense, I thought, giving up only 13, you know, 12, 13 points really in this game was, was pretty big for them. Yeah, the identity thing's huge, because, and I know Brett Bielema's pushed back on this basically since he got hired. When I think of Illinois, Brett Bielema coach teams, identity is, is running the ball, but and I think we talked about this on, on one of the many hours down here, but what is that without Chase Brown? I mean, is it still run to the amount of times they ran this year? I mean, is that dependent on if they go searching for a portal? I thought it was interesting Brett Bielema didn't exactly push that idea all the way down the drain. But identity is – I think we thought quick passes, right? And when Barry Lunny was hired, it's like, okay, they're going to be a strong running team. They're going to get their playmakers in space. You did see that to a degree. But I, I think – yeah, I mean, I, what is it? What's the plan? Is, is, how do you do that? And I think even if those are your focal points of identity, and I know Ryan mentioned it earlier, did you've got to still be able to stretch the field. and you, You've got to build your receiver room up to – to complement what your identity is. And if your identity is running in short passes and space, you got to make sure you've got an answer to get it downfield. And the consistency, that's exactly right. I mean, Illinois, I'm trying to think back to the games, right, that they lost. Indiana, red zone, close five. Uh, Purdue, uh, it probably depends on how you want to hear this. Purdue could either be the, the call on Devin Witherspoon. But, I mean, there's just been those moments where, especially late in the game, like those last – two, three drives of a game that you just want to see Illinois be able to punch it and, yeah. and capitalize and end it in the end zone. Yeah, four-minute drill, right? Indiana in this game, I think, come down to four-minute drill, being able to waste away the clock but also complete the play. So, Ryan, where do you think uh, Barry Lunny needs to grow in, in year two and, and maybe addresses uh, needs uh, to, to personnel-wise? Because outside of Isaiah Williams, this wide receiver room certainly struggled to get separation. And then the question is of – 
future at Illinois running back. What is this offense after Chase Brown uh, leaps to the NFL here? Well, to your to your comment earlier about the transfer portal, Joey, and the running back room, you know, I it sounded like he almost alluded that in a more general sense that they would look position for position in replacing guys if they needed to. And I, I immediately, I know they they've got other positions where they're losing guys, but I immediately thought running back. And I don't know if there's a guy out there right now, maybe they've, they've got a beat on him. Obviously they'll get a chance here in the next few days to, uh, to host some guys, but I mean, if they can, they may need to replace, uh, you can't really replace Chase Brown, but they may need to get a guy that can at least replace some of Chase Brown's production and, and skill. Uh, but the other thing, too, for me was the receivers. You mentioned it, Jeremy, is, uh, you know, Isaiah Williams was one of the only guys out there today that was really consistently getting separation. And even he at times wasn't getting as open as, you know, he would probably like to. And it, part of it's overhauling that the receiver group. And I know they brought in a good, a good group last year. There were a couple guys that got dinged up this year. Sean Miller's a guy I think is going to be pretty good. Um, and then they've got a couple guys in this class that got some good ability. Kanari Wiltshire was here today. He's got good speed to stretch the field. And then the big fish that they're waiting on right now is Malik Elzey, and his decision goes public uh, here on the 7th. So there's a big chance to give this room a boost, but I, I think part of it is just part of its personnel and part of it's going to be adjusting um, to what they, what they have on the roster. I want to build two things off of that if I could real quick. Uh, Brian Hightower didn't play. Brett Bielema said he had a hamstring injury back in Champaign. I know there were some questions about you – know, we didn't see a lot of Pat Bryant down the stretch. When we were down in, in that last five or six minutes, he was getting some ice on his shoulder, so I don't know if he was dinged up. Uh, but to the point, I, I think there are pieces there in the wide receiver room, and, I, and we've talked at length about the way that they're building that. But uh, you definitely miss those two guys today. as two of the guys who have been your more productive wide receiver. And one more point on the running back. We, we talk about it because there's – I don't know that there's a better pitch that you have on this football team to a transfer than running back, right? Come in here, look what Chase Brown did, look what our offensive line is going to be. And, and I mean, that's, that's going to be attractive when you're talking in the portal. So I, I think that's why we keep coming back to this. It's not a knock on McCray or Reggie Love, but when your pitch is this good and your window is your window and, and you know, maybe it's open, it feels like it's opening, you've got to hit uh, on those pitches that are – Really, really hot in the transfer portal. Yeah, let's be honest. We came into this game saying, well, let's see what they have at running back after Chase Brown, and it wasn't great. I thought Reggie Love had some nice plays today. I think he can be part of your running back rotation. Josh McCray never got going. Um, so there's just still questions at that position beyond. Now, maybe that changes with spring ball. Maybe that changes uh, as they get more of the, of the workload next year. But, you know, we don't know what Aiden Lawfrey is going to be. We don't know what Jordan Anderson and Caden Fagan are going to be early in their careers. And it's one position, as you said, Joey, where you could probably get a stud if, he, if a stud goes because it's, it's your best position of production uh, the last few years alongside defensive back. So, yeah, I, I think they got a great sell, and it'll be very interesting to see what they do there. As for wide receiver, Colin Dixon's coming in. If you get Malik Elzey, do you add another one? I, I think you need somebody with speed, but they've added some talent. Uh, to that room. I, I do want to get to this. I thought today was really impressive for Aaron Henry. Uh, this defense, uh, I didn't think had a great matchup against Mississippi State, but I thought Aaron Henry did some really interesting things. Going with a 5-1-5 defense, a wrinkle that somebody could correct me, like you guys, if, you, if you've seen it, I don't think we've seen that wrinkle all that much this year. And we've seen a defense with a lot of wrinkles with it, with, with Ryan Walter. So I thought that was interesting. They kept things in front of them. I thought the young defensive backs really did well. I thought of all the defensive backs, I thought Quan Martin struggled probably the most today, which I think is a great sign 
uh, for Illinois. Tyler Strain made a phenomenal play. Matthew Bailey, of course, with an interception with the help of, of Johnny Newton. But um, I, I thought Aaron Henry got his defense to play a winning game, Brian. So I was impressed. Uh, first uh, impressions against prolific passing attack, one that likes to dink and dunk you. I thought they played pretty well, even though towards the end, Mississippi State was able to convert. Yeah, I think the biggest sign of Aaron Henry doing doing well was that you didn't really notice a huge drop off between what well, you know a Walters coach defense and then Aaron Henry coach defense. Now I, I'm sure they weren't really going to reinvent the wheel between uh, Walters departing and Henry coming on board, but you know they had a good game plan for this. You mentioned Mississippi State's going to spread them out. So what did they do? They built a scheme that would combat that. And I thought for for the most part, other than maybe a couple of blown plays, they did pretty good in limiting him, especially in the first half. Uh, Will Rogers really struggled in the first half, you know, didn't have his normal productivity. I thought he was better in the second. He started hitting some of those shorter throws, like like Joey mentioned, where they were dinking and dunking. But Illinois, for the most part, took away those long pass plays that Mississippi State has had some success on this year. And, you know, to the, the young DB's credit, I, you, you look at how Xavier Scott was about four games ago when he first got thrown into the fire, and he played a really good game today. So these are the kind of building blocks, and, and there will be some growing pains, but these are the kind of building blocks that, that help, and you start to see the fruits of that next year, um, especially with this, this young core that's coming in. They're going to have some other talented defensive backs coming in with them this year, but I thought this group really, over the, the course of the last four or five games, had some, some big growth. I thought Xavier Scott was physical as hell today. Yeah. Xavier he laid a Scott laid hit. some hits, man, and like that's a good time. Ryan, you nailed it, dude. Like when Taz Nicholson got hurt and they were out without Trail Jennings, it was like, oh my goodness, I is Quan Martin going to go to cornerback? Is slide outside a little bit more? And I, I still think Xavier Scott ultimately ends up being Quan Martin in that role. But those young guys grew up quite a bit. It wasn't perfect. I mean, you're playing a team that's going to throw the heck out of it or, or frequently throw it. wasn't perfect, but that's a really good sign when you're talking about just the amount of turnover that that defensive backfield is going to have. It is, it is an absurd amount of turnover back there. You're getting Taz Nicholson back. That's it, right? I mean, of, of the guys who started week zero, week one, week two, week three, you're getting Taz Nicholson back. Like that, it's a ton of turnover. And to get back, Jeremy, to Aaron Henry. Uh, I asked some of the guys, I said, was there any one thing, two things he did today that you're like, oh, okay, this is what our new defensive coordinator does or doesn't do. And it helps, of course, that he's been around all season. And everyone basically is like, nah, it's who he is. I mean, he's the same guy he was. And I like I, I like that if you're, if you're trying to figure out what this is going to look like with him, that he didn't come in his first game as defensive coordinator and try to be somebody else. In the locker room, I think that was a trend. Brett Bielma alluded to that as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, that's that's yeah. a big moment, right? Like, you're in a bowl game. You, you really want to go 9-4 and four and close out with the win in Tampa. And, and even try to be somebody he's not, from what we've heard. I mean, I, I don't think four people would, would sit there and tell us otherwise. So, I, I think it's a good a good start to the Aaron Henry era. And I'm sure he would tell you, you know, maybe, but sure as heck would have liked to left Raymond James with a win. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in, in how the rest of that, well, the outside linebackers position uh, gets filled and just kind of what that plays out. But I, I think the voice that they have there, the consistency they have there is important to build on when you're talking turnover like Illinois had. Yeah, and he went three-man rush a lot today because Mississippi State, like Purdue, just gets the ball out quickly. But I do think the defensive line still made a great impact in this game because 
They had four pass breakups at the line of scrimmage, two by Johnny Newton, one by Calvin Avery, uh, one by Keith Randolph as well. Um, and they were able to tackle pretty well. But the couple moments, a uh, couple on the sideline, one on that big run on third and eight, right? That just, that's really, Ryan, where, where the defense kind of let up a little bit. But still, I thought it was a winning game plan uh, by Aaron Henry. Yeah, I thought he he had a good game plan. You know, they really limited what some of Mississippi State's bigger receivers were doing because if you look at the roster, the guys they have are pretty tall guys. Uh, and for for these defensive backs, I know they they like to recruit the bigger defensive backs, but they got tested. Like Tyler Strain isn't a tall guy; he's not a, a super long guy. Xavier Scott's not a, a tall or long guy, and they more than held their own against some bigger guys. So I thought I thought that was pretty encouraging, and what they're able to do there. Um, you know, and they didn't get home on the on the blitz that much or on the pass rush, but they did get their hands up. But it made it a little bit more difficult to the line of scrimmage. I think that was one of the things that Mississippi State in the second half started to scheme around, and that's why they started going to the outside, where maybe guys like Newton and Randolph couldn't get a hand on the ball as much, and they started pushing the perimeter against some of those defensive backs and taking the four or five yards that that the defense was giving them. And Joey, you mentioned the defensive backs, all the turnover that's going there. Isn't it weird that like I don't have a lot of questions about the secondary? Like I don't, it's not going to be as good probably um, as, as this year. But there's a lot of talent. Uh, there's a lot of feisty guys there. Like I think that room, the way they're recruiting, the way they're developing, the, what, the glimpses of guys we've seen, whether it's Matthew Bailey with three interceptions and in like 150 snaps this year, or Xavier Scott and Tyler Strange showing something. Taz Nicholson took a huge step forward. And, of course, all the talent coming in with Caleb Patterson, a Juco kid, Sabor Kareem, a four-star kid. I, I think that room with Aaron Henry and now Antonio Finellis is in really good shape for the future, despite um, some of the best players we've seen in the secondary uh, at Illinois leaving here. Yeah, and that was kind of a cliff position when they got hired, right? We are like, oh, man, what happens when Tony Adams leaves? We didn't know anything about Kirby Joseph, let's be honest. We didn't think. He wasn't the what happens when he leaves guy when this staff took over, but you had to replace him. And it's just like there was kind of like the offensive line was not as probably drastic, but there was kind of a, a gap in age there. And what was this going to look like? And I, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's any, I don't, I don't think Brett's like overdoing it when he says this. When you ask about Aaron Henry, he always brings up, it's not, I mean, he, of course, there's the intangibles. We've gone over those, right? But he brings up, look what he did with Devin Witherspoon. He did that again today. And Taz Nicholson, look what he did with Taz Nicholson. And those are still, you know, corners where I still have a lot of questions or the most questions of any position back there going into next season. But, yeah, they've shown they can recruit. They've shown they can develop. We still need to see what Antonio Finellis is as a defensive backs coach and what that looks like on the trail, on the development front. But, yeah, I think for a position that in January or February of 2020, if you would have said, what's this look like going into 23, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to rewrite history or how we would have said it, but I don't know what we would have thought uh, back then going into this. But I think that's a position group that you do have some confidence in. And you look, I mean, it's probably not going to be fun to hear, but you found out a lot about those guys because you went one and four down the stretch and your starters got hurt, right? I mean, it. because I don't know. What would we be saying about Xavier Scott going into next season or Tyler Strain? We didn't really see heads or tails of him uh, until these injuries came about so i'm not trying to you know silver lining the you know losing those games but i I think you do have to address that without if those injuries don't happen you probably have a better record but you don't know what it looks like uh going into next season 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, my quick hits. I, I wrote like, like 2019, this season ended with a bit of a thud. You lost four or five. You had a chance to make the Big Ten championship game and you didn't. You had a chance to win the Big Ten West. You didn't. You had a chance to potentially guys go to a Rose Bowl uh, and, and you didn't. So in the same breath, it's, it's great to be disappointed with an eight and five season in a, in a bowl game in Tampa that you had a chance to close out and you weren't able to close out. So all of that, there, there's nuance to that. So I'm, I'm going to throw the question at you. How would you grade the 2022 Illini football season? Brian, I'll start with you. Um, so I think with where they're ultimately trying to get to, I think you could give it a solid B. I mean, they, they definitely made some progress. There were some, some shortcomings for sure. There's a lot of room to grow, but when you look at what the last 15 to 20 years of Illinois football has been and, and, you know, looking at blowout losses, multiple losses, bowl games being a rarity for them to have a season like this and feel like, I think this season more than anything feels different than some of those other seven, eight, nine win seasons. And there haven't been many um, in the, in that uh, this feels more sustainable. And I think you would say that maybe it felt that way after the Rose bowl with what they had coming back, but that season I don't know what happened that next year. It just that that Western Michigan game and all that, but this just feels like what they've built is more sustainable. It's not one of those where they're just signing a bunch of one year free agents um, and hoping to make that last run for LeBron. It's it's, they had an eight win season because they they've done things the right way. They've been competitive in all these games. Um, And, you know, once they start to learn how to win, which is something that Illinois football just has struggled with, I think when they learn how to win and play, make those plays in those critical situations, I think you're going to see this team take that next step forward. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing for me is if they can do that, I think that's how they go from that B to that B plus make it to make it to Indy. Maybe that's the next step. And then eventually, you know, Brett's going to want to be able to compete for a championship in Indy. So, but I I feel like with what they've built, they've got, you know, I, I put them in a solid B and I think that they've set themselves up well to continue to raise that grade in the next few years. Joey, what would you say? Yeah, B comes to mind. Uh, I don't know, I'll go B minus because I think you – it would have been a B in August, but I think that October kind of changed. And, and we're quibbling here, right? Like B minus, B, it doesn't matter. It's four or five down the stretch. I mean, that's tough. That's tough yeah, to take. So, so you, mean, you mean you'd have a, a B plus in, in October – but after November. No, I mean, like, if you were to ask me in August, said so they're going to be eight and five, they're going to play oh, in, okay. in Tampa. I said, all right, yeah, that's a B plus and A minus. But we talked all year about having to reevaluate expectations and where this program is. And I still think, like, 
if it's a B minus, it's like a B minus plus. Like it's right there on the fence between B and B minus and B. What kind I just of think grading like, scale are you using? Not not a good one. No, I, I, I would have been on betters for numbers. We lost everybody on this garbage. Uh I, I just think like the, the four of the five down the stretch is it's tough because of those one score games that you just and come on, for all intents and purposes, this was a one score game. Right. I mean, this game, it's a three point loss. I mean, it ended up being a nine. But I, I just think that you, you get one of those, right? And hey, you're an indie. I suppose that's the easy one, even if you get this one. But just kind of a sour taste. It's still a good season. I think there's still, to the, Ryan's point and the point you made earlier, Jeremy, there's so much meat on the bone. It feels like there's a sustainability element to this. And you see the young players in the system that you think are going to be there. I, I, I think the coordinators, there's obviously stuff you want to see more from from Barry Lunny Jr. You want to see a full season from Aaron Henry, but you feel like you got Illinois has coordinators that are that, that have a plan, that have a purpose, that just kind of have it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Long term, I think it's there, and this was a step forward, 100%. Like, you, you can't look at this season and say anything else. Down the stretch, though, I mean, that's it's tough, dude. It's a tough way to go from seven and one to, to eight and five. All right, so I'm going to put the, the brightest grade here. I'm going to be plus because Illinois won eight games. That for Maybe I'm grading on a, a, a curve here. Um, you know, Ryan took engineering classes and probably got a 38% got an A on something back in the day. I heard about that. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I said that didn't happen once <laughs> or twice. So, so we're making smart Ryan so bad with our <laughs> stupidity over here. By the way. <laughs> so I'm grading on a little bit of a curve, but I think you have to when you're talking about Illinois football. Illinois football just won eight games. They beat Iowa. They beat Minnesota. They beat Wisconsin. Uh, they won. They beat at Nebraska, right? Uh, and they lost – Four, you know, five games practically by one score. If you consider this one, you know, that I hate that stat is now thrown out the window because of that punt return to or fumble return touchdown at the end. But all those games by single digits, they had a chance to win all those games uh, in the fourth quarter. And some of them, you know, obviously the, the play call or the refereeing didn't go their way in some of them. Though, hey, shout out the refs today. The ACC crew, I thought, did a really, really good job today. So you got to praise them when they do well. Um, but I think Illinois football showed that they can be competitive in every game, even when they go up to Michigan. Like, that is a huge step forward, as Ryan said. Like, somebody told us from Illinois after the game, Joey, like, we no longer go to a game and go, oh, crap, this is going to be bad. Like, this is going to be an awful experience. You have a chance to win every game now. Uh, and they got huge questions they got to answer in the offseason to sustain that. But I thought they set such a big step forward. Last year, there was competitiveness. This year, there's competitiveness and wins. And now they got to learn how to be better offensively, take a next step in year two uh, under Barry Lunny. They got to get better talent, right? But you had how many All Americans, how many All Big Ten players, uh, national award winners. Brett Bielmo was in the discussion for Big Ten Coach of the Year and National Coach of the Year at some points. You're in the Big Ten West race uh, for as long as that's going to be there. I, I feel like Illinois can be a factor. Uh, and I agree with Ryan. I think it's built on sustained ways of winning. Um, now you just got to find a way to win closer games. But Listen, this is probably what the Brett Bielema era is going to be. A lot of close games um, because that's what the Big Ten West is, and it's usually what the Big Ten is. Uh, and it depends on who makes the bigger plays, who makes the, the key penalties, like all those things. And Illinois and a few of those games just came up on the wrong end of it. But um, I think it's a really good staff. And uh, the Big Ten continues to elevate its coaching staffs, as Joey and I have talked about frequently in Nebraska, and uh, uh, we'll see where they go from here. I had to give a shot. I had to give a shot. Can so we, I'm going B plus. Can we? Okay. 
since I to save my the stupidity minus of, of earlier. No, okay. Can we put like a percentages on, like if you're talking like a, on a zero to one hundred scale, yeah. a, a B would be an eighty five. Ryan, is that about where you land? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm used to just doing like a letter or a letter with the plus, but. We're expanding Whatever. horizons today. So I, We're... I, I'm like 88.5, Joey. Okay. I'll take like an 82.5. Okay. I think we're all and the I, same I'm, window. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm, I'm at about an 84, 85. So same range. I, but I do want to point one thing out. And, and, you know, at the beginning of the year, when we were talking about recent expectations, obviously they skated down the stretch. But Vegas projected the over-under line at four and a half wins for this team. That's right, yeah. And for Illinois to come in with eight wins, they had that blown out by two and a half wins at the seven and one mark, eight games into the season. So they went over Vegas, in October. <laughs> Vegas is pretty good at setting these things. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's important. Obviously, I mean, I don't think you could say this team overachieved because you look at what happened down the stretch, and obviously they had more opportunities than they missed. But when you look at what the Vegas expectation was and like this, the, the betting market versus what they actually achieved. I I'd say they overachieved, but there was still definitely some opportunities missed. So what's the over under going into next season from Vegas? I'm going to guess question. six, six and a half. I think it could be five and a half to be honest. With you. I still think people mm-hmm. are going to question Illinois with losing chase Brown, losing all these guys in the secondary and a new quarterback. But that is a fantastic question, Joe. Mm-hmm. like, I think it's going to be in that five and a half to six range. I don't think it's going to be, you know, like if you got Chase Brown back and you got Tommy DeVito back, I think that would have been a different discussion. And maybe some of it depends on the draft decisions here coming up. But I, I still think there's going to be doubt uh, about Illinois. What returns would shift this from, let, let's say it's five and a half, would shift this to five and a half? I mean, obviously, if you get if Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton come back, but is that, is that enough to go five and a half to six and a half? I mean, I don't know. I think those of us who watch it understand their value. Yeah. I think if you're just a passerby or in Vegas, you might. I think five and a half feels right unless they go in the portal and, and they add, you know, if there's a running back out there that is has got all this production or if you go in and get a wide receiver. I don't know. I think five and a half, six and a half, that's a different window, right, than we're used to seeing for three and a half Illinois football. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the expectation's bowl, right? I mean, yeah, you got okay, okay. to get back to a bowl, so – I, I and I I know internally in the program the expectations are going to be set higher than whatever Vegas throws at them. But yep. uh, I I think if you're looking at this team should make a bowl. They don't play Ohio State or Michigan next year. Good call. They've got a pretty favorable schedule. There's a couple tough games on the schedule. I think I mean I watched Kansas play Arkansas and Kansas is a different team now than than old Kansas under like Les Miles and and Turner Gill. Like they're actually a I, I team brought, now. I brought up with somebody the other day. Of course you get Kansas on the upswing because that's how Illinois <laughs> scheduled the non-conference. But they made the right point. Hey, Kansas is getting us on the upswing as well. So that sure. that is certainly true. But they do have a favorable schedule. I mean Toledo's not an easy MAC opponent, but come on, you got to take care of that at home at Kansas. Home against Penn State, home against Fort Atlantic. Purdue is going to have huge question marks. I think Purdue's over-under should be smaller than Illinois, despite landing Hudson Card because they lose so much. New coaching staff. Nebraska, I still think, is a rebuild. At Maryland, that's a winnable game. Home against Wisconsin, at Minnesota. Home against Indiana, at Iowa, home against Northwestern. So maybe you're right, Ryan. Maybe six and a half is the right number there. I just think the schedule lays out well for them to, to have a, a season where they don't just eke to a bowl game. I think they've got a chance. And you look at it, too, like there could be a handful of games where they may have a letdown here and there, and there's probably going to be some growing pains with getting Luke Altmaier up to speed. But 
I just see the opportunity there to, to see some of those games that maybe this year didn't go their way, some of those plays that didn't go their way or, you know, they just came up short on um, and turn those into wins. Because you're looking to take some of the, those five losses that they've got and turn a couple of those into wins for next year. And so if they can do that, execute those plays, build that consistency that was the theme of all the postgame interviews, I, I think that's where they get to that that seven, potentially back to eight win mark again. Yeah, Joey, I think like – we knew that four and a half number was pretty low for this team. And I, we, I would have taken the over if I were a degenerate, but at five and a half, I'm like over, I, I think Illinois go over that six and a half. I'm thinking about it. So I, I in my opinion, six and a half would be the number, but yeah. know, I don't know what the outward thinking will be. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, see when I think five and a half, I think like, how can I make money here? And like, that's the over six and a half. You're right, man. That's, you got to think about it. Also, does this set up for like Illinois, Kansas college game day, most random college game day football game uh, going on? Probably not that early in the season. Uh, I think, I think both, both of those programs got to be like five and oh, to even get consideration. For that. Tennessee or Bama is going to be playing some buy game that, that week. They'll go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, That's a All good right. call. Guys, huge off season. Uh, we've already gotten the big news of, of Luke Altmeyer, And that's certainly for me, one of the biggest storylines this offseason is how does Illinois' offense uh, go with Luke Altmaier? And I asked, I asked Isaiah Williams, told him, I know you can't talk about the new quarterback, but how do you help a new quarterback get ready? He said, we got to get into – we just got to hang out with each other. we got to learn each other. And then we got to get into uh, the practice facility, the indoor, and just really uh, play catch a lot. So I expect some growing pains there. But, but outside of, of Luke Altmaier, who we've talked about, I think he's really talented – but we'll experience those growing pains because he hasn't um, you know, played a lot of high college football here, Joey. Uh, outside of Altmaier, what are some of your biggest offseason storylines here? The draft decisions. I mean, those are, that's my number one. Do you get Johnny Newton? Do you get Keith Randolph? Do you get Julian Pearl? Those are the big three, I think, that, that we've circled as what, what are they going to do. Uh, Tariq Barnes would be in that discussion. I, I think we think that Illinois is pretty solid on the rest of the offensive line. Uh, so those are the that's the biggest one is and you'll know that I mean that by the way you got two weeks two weeks from tomorrow is the declaration day that's why I, I think that and, and do they greedy is not the word in the portal but do they shop around for a running back in the transfer portal uh, because I, I think you can make an argument for it certainly there, there are several arguments against it but it's the, the draft decisions and then what's what, what are these two open positions on the coaching staff what what does Brett Bielema do I think. Jeremy Ryan, it was super telling that every time Brett Bielmas talked about his outside linebacker coach and what he's looking for, more pass rush value, more pass rush value. It's very clear in, in my reading of it that he does not like, he doesn't feel like he got what he wanted pass rush wise out of a group that is talented. I mean, it's a really talented group. You could add Seth Coleman in that declaration discussion if he were to go that route, though I don't think he's on the same conversation yeah. as the uh, uh, two defensive linemen and Pearl, but yeah, how does that fill out and, and how many, if any, if all of those guys do you get back? Yeah, I, I think the other thing you throw in there is do you get any surprises in the portal on the way out, right? That's, sure. You want to avoid those, and Brett Bielma has done a pretty good job, right? The, the big surprises last year were Deuce Spann and, and Daniel Barker, and I think that certainly made an impact. So I think Deuce Spann was, would have been a great tool for, for this offense, and Daniel Barker could have helped, even though he's not a great blocker and didn't have a big year at Michigan State, but, but having that kind of weapon uh, certainly would help. Um, but, yeah, the draft decisions, Bielma hinted that they're going to have guys return. Um, and, and have announcements here coming up. 
We'll see uh, if that happens, how quickly it does, but it will happen in the coming days. Uh, Malik Elzey, obviously, coming up here. Uh, but, Ryan, I want to get your opinion. Uh, we haven't talked on this podcast yet about Antonio Finellis uh, as a hire, former Wisconsin kid, the third uh, Wisconsin player that will be on this defensive staff. And then what do you think about filling the other positions outside linebacker and running back? Well, I think as far as Finellis goes, Bielema has is probably starting to go in a different direction with his hires than he maybe has in the past. If you look at what he built at, at Arkansas, um, he had a lot more turnover. So there were a lot more guys in and out. He was going off of connections like external connections. These are guys that he got to coach for four or five years, got to see how they were in the locker room, got to see how they were around their teammates. Uh, obviously they've, they've been around some good coaches themselves. Aaron Henry had a few stops at some good places like NC state with Dave Doran, who was Bielema's former defensive coordinator. Uh, he had Finellis who was at LSU most recently with, uh, uh, Kerry Cooks, who was a former defensive backs coach for him. So he knows what these guys bring to the table, not only because of the connections he has uh, with former colleagues, but also because he got to see them as players and how they were as locker room. And I think Bielema seems like the kind of guy who's very intentional about those types of traits for how they carry themselves in the locker room and how they carry themselves on the field, because those guys were also leaders on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, Joey, you had posted the picture of those guys on the podium at the Rose Bowl, and not a whole lot of guys get put up there. Um, so obviously they were big parts of some of those Wisconsin teams that won championships. So I think part of that is the championship mentality that those guys bring, uh, but also just the the fact that he can grow those guys, see the potential in them, and see them you know growing into coaches while also mentoring them, and not just going out and shopping coaches on the open market, but actually developing them from in house. And it's kind of a different uh, different strategy and a different method than he's used in the past. Yeah, Joey, and I, I think you're right about uh, upgrading, right? I, I think Illinois should get greedy. I think if you have a running back out there that is really talented and you think can be your best option, go recruit him. Listen, you're going to lose some guys in the transfer portal, but your job is to win games. And right now I still got questions at running back. If you can find a wide receiver that can complement Isaiah Williams and, and push Pat Bryant and whoever else you're adding here, Casey Washington, Brian Hightower, and, and next year, like – Hey, that's that's what good programs do. Um, so I'm really interested to see that. And of course, if they do lose a Johnny Newton or a Keith Randolph or a Julian Pearl, I, I think you'll see them go back in the portal. I know they offered Marcellus Johnson uh, at Eastern Eastern Michigan, a former normal kid, but uh, I would be get greedy about the offensive line because uh, Jordan Slaughter struggled today, and I don't know if I'm counting on him to be a starter. Uh, but you got to continue to elevate the competition and elevate the talent that, in all those rooms. Yeah, we say get greedy. I mean, but that's – I think Brett Bielema has shown us over the course of the last 24 months that he's going to make a move that's going to get wins, right? I mean, I don't think it was particularly easy to, to fire Tony Peterson, but he did that quickly. I mean, he, he he's here to, to get this done and to, and to win games. If that means getting greedy, if that means, I don't know, some some pressure in the rooms to, to step up because you've got talent coming in, and that's what it is, and that's – that's how you build programs. That's not trying to portray Brett Bielema as this, you know, anomaly in the coaching world. Every, every coach does that. You've got to do that. So I think that that's fascinating to me, man, is running back is it's not the biggest need, but it's in the portal, at least as of right now. But it's so interesting to me, like what that can be. And if they decide to do it, it's the most interesting part in the portal right now, in my opinion. No, absolutely. Uh, so you got a Malik Elzey announcement coming up on, on January 7th. That certainly uh, will get a lot of good vibes. And, and then running backs and outside linebackers, I, 
Joey, I get the feeling outside of linebackers, as you said, the pass rush thing has been a really interesting comment because I think Brett knows he's got a few pros in that room, including Seth Coleman, who I thought could have been more consistent and an even more dominant pass rusher, and Gay Backus, who we, we both think can be a high draft pick at, at some point, and then more talent behind him, Trey Smith, Jared Beatty, Alec Bryant. Um, but running backs will be interesting. I'm interested to see where the recruiting ties are there. Antonio Finellis answers a lot of those with Florida. Uh, outside linebackers coach will find out. But running backs coach, I would imagine, would be someone with ties in the Midwest, I would imagine. Um, St. Louis, Chicago, area, wherever. I, I just think it'd be important to add another recruiter when you've already lost Corey Patterson, who's Illinois, St. Louis, Kevin Kane, who recruited Illinois and, and Missouri, uh, and, and then even Ryan Walters, uh, who, who recruited Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think those are positions, too, that are traditionally recruiters. You, you look at your defensive backs coaches and your running backs coaches, and Bielema has, has been pretty consistent in saying that he views his outside linebackers coach as probably more of a teacher. And I would think that saying that he's going to look more heavily at the NFL for that position is probably a good indicator that he values that more as a teaching position than a an ace recruiter. But at places like a running back coach and a corners coach, those are guys that you really want to be – you know, dogs out on the recruiting trail that, that can get after it. And that's what I think you see that with Finellis, who has most recently been spending time at LSU, which, you know, SEC recruiting is a different tier of crazy. Um, and so he has that background. And then uh, the way it sounded, and Joey, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, or Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the way that Bielema talked, it sounded like he's got things pretty zoned in on an outside linebackers coach, at least the way he talked in that postgame press conference. He might have somebody already in mind or on the, on the line. If not, I mean, it might be a couple guys. I think he, he might yeah. be weighing through options. I don't think this is a, a fully casted net where he, he's going all over the place. I think this is a, probably a short list of three to five guys, probably maybe even smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I think this is going to be an interesting offseason, certainly one where this program has a lot more to sell, but certainly uh, strides to make. So I think overall, as I said, I think it's a huge step forward for this program, yet with some – some really regrettable losses and today kind of, uh, you know, epitomizes that. Uh, Joey, before we go, lasting impressions of Tampa. What'd you think, man? I think that you hate the sun. The sun hates me. That's, I don't hate the sun. No, I don't think the sun complains <laughs> about you nearly as much as you complain about the sun. Uh, Tampa was fun. It was fun. It, I, I think maybe the most striking thing, I do want to bring up one more thing before we we're done. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe the most telling thing, is and I'm not trying to, to carry water for a fan base here, but it was hard to not notice, dude. I mean, like the the social event last night over uh, near the team hotel was was shoulder to shoulder. It was packed. It was, I mean, they turned out. And then you you get here today, and there's a lot of Illinois fans. We saw pictures from the thing of Steinbrenner Field. I mean, it was packed for the pregame. You can see the thirst for Illinois football, and I, I know everyone thinks basketball this, but and they should, right? Illinois basketball is Illinois basketball. But I, I've always thought it, it's not going to take a lot for people to jump on board, uh, back on board, or both feet in for Illinois football. And I think that's being displayed. Like, this, this is a – it's Monday, as I understand it, in Tampa, away from Champaign. And, and they showed out in, in droves, man. Like, I, yeah. they're, they're ready to jump back on the bandwagon. They, they really are. They're not already there. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm pretty surprised, like, that this was – I thought it was two-thirds of Illini fans. I was going to say, it was about two to one. 
I, I was shocked by that because uh, Mississippi State's got a good program. It's not as far of a drive. It's still a far drive. Um, and, and, of course, the Mike Leach thing. Um, but I also thought the travel issues that everyone's had the last week might might hamper some of that. The cost might hamper some of that. But, dude, you are right, Joey. This fan base is ready for a winner, and I think they so appreciated having fun every Saturday, going in every Saturday thinking they have a chance to win. And they were pretty close to winning their program's first game ever against an SEC program. They don't play them very much, but they almost had their first win ever. And I got to say, the last two months, or I guess two and a half months, I've now seen the Illini fan base shine more than any fan base at Las Vegas and then out, outgrow or out, you know, show up a, an SEC program in Florida. Ryan, that's really impressive. Oh, yeah. And really, the only thing that made the volume levels between the fans even anywhere close was those damn cowbells. God dang. Um, but no, Illinois fans showed up. I mean, it was, I went through the concourse earlier to go meet up with a couple people and it was, I mean, it was loud. There were ILL chants going on in there. Fans were out in, in force for this game. And you mentioned Vegas. It was, it was similar to that where it's the, there's the questions like, all right, if they get this opportunity, are they going to travel? And, and the fan base showed up like you, you see a lot of these other bowl games where the fan base just doesn't really bring it. And Illinois fans brought it. Uh, for this game, they really showed up in numbers. Uh, you know, the energy was there. There were probably a lot of daddy sodas going down, um, but they, 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 uh, the they were excited. They won they, the yes. today. Yeah, the, the, the fifth quarter. But, yeah, they showed up. And I, I think that not only, you know, the progress that's made on the field, but I think that also goes to show and, and builds them some credibility just in the college football scene. They're like, hey, the fans are serious about this. Like, they're not getting blown out anymore. The, this team has been competitive. It's been a lot easier to watch. Um, and so if they're able to continue to make these strides, this fan base is really going to wake up. Over-under attendance, if we're sticking to the over-unders, Joey. Over-under attendance next year, average 46 and a half. Shoot, what was it this year? Lower than that. Uh, yeah, it's like 37, was... 38 maybe. Yeah. Uh... I'll take the over. over. I, I'll take the over because I think the season ticket base is going to take a pretty significant step forward, and that's everything. Your season ticket base goes up. Your average—it sounds duh, but like you're having to move less volume of tickets week in and week out. I think over. Brian, what do you mm. think? I, I think they'll go over in a few games. There will be a couple of games where they have some some bad attendance, whether it's weather related or something else. But I, I think for the most part, they're going to hit right around that 45, 50K mark. And especially if they get off to a hot start, I think that is going to be the key. I, maybe, maybe I was wrong. It was 42-1. 42-1. Maybe I should have gone a little higher. Yeah, but I agree. I, I, think, I, I think they're going to go a little higher uh, than that number this year. Joey, you had one more thing you wanted I have to two up? things. Uh, our friend Peter wants to know how, how we're going to enjoy this 18-hour drive back. Peter, put your grandma back in the cage. You either stand with us or you don't, all right? She's in the cage until we get back, Peter. I mean, come on. It's, it's with solidarity with us. Okay. Yeah. A question for each of you. I'm curious. Second week of spring ball. Like, let's, let's look ahead. Let's zoom out. Not far ahead, but a little bit ahead. One offensive, one defensive player that's getting that spring buzz. Go. Mm. I think – it's going to be one of those young wide receivers. I still think Pat Bryant's got so much more uh, that he can give. And we got to remember um, he's still young. He's going to be a junior right next year. Uh, Hank Beatty could be a guy, man. Like, can you run more, you know, spread out ace backfields? Like, do you still run as much 12 personnel? Uh, I think you're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, but do you get more 
shifty guys in there and spread it out a little more when you can't run the ball quite as well with Chase Brown. So, so maybe Hank Beatty is my guy, right? So I'm going to start off on the defensive side. And this is a guy that I think could, obviously there's a couple of returners that, that have started some football on this side, but I think Caleb, Caleb Patterson could be that guy. I, I he's, he's just a freak athlete. He's a big guy. He runs, he runs like a four, like legit four, four. Um, and he's coming in early. He was a full qualifier out of high school. Only did one year in JUCO. I think he's a guy that once he shows up, has a chance to compete for a starting spot at corner. And just because of the athletic tools he has and the mindset he comes in with, I think he could be a guy that really challenges for a spot and gets some buzz in the spring. You want to go offense first? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to round robin this? I'll, I'll stick on defense. I, I want to say Xavier Scott, just because – that, that position's there. Like, to me, that's his position. I, I know they brought in Nicario Harper. They've not been able to discuss him. I, I think Solo Turner's an interesting guy, but Xavier Scott kind of feels like that guy. Is, it's been pretty telling how high they've been on him, and especially in these last four games that he's started or gotten that significant minutes. But I, I'm really fascinated with him. Honorable mention, to, I want to say also James Cruz, but I think that depends on what happens in front of him. But that's that was going to be my time. guy. Oh, go for it. Go, yeah. What a transition. That was going to be my guy because I think the handoff. I think a linebacker has to step up. I think they get better there. I think Kanan Odoogu is going to play a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. Is Dylan Rosiak that guy? Is James Cruz that guy? But James Cruz, I think, needs another offseason of adding strength. But if he can add that, I think he's got the length and the athleticism they want. He's not the tallest guy, but he's got really long arms. I just think they need more of a playmaker there, man. Um, you know, I thought the linebacker play wasn't all that great today. Um, so I think they need to step up uh, at that position. Uh, the other offensive guy I would throw in, and sorry, going on, we'll mention Henry Boyer, uh, blocking tight end. I know they added Ark in the, the, the transfer from Colorado State, but they might need another guy in there. And um, I, I think Boyer can step up his blocker. Yeah, Boyer had a really good senior year. Um, you know, obviously he didn't get a whole lot of tick this year, but he's he's already built sturdy. So, I mean, he's a big guy. I think for him it's just a matter of kind of working out some technique things, working on his route running. Um, but he, he's a good one. I think he'll as sooner than later factor into the game plan. Um, so my defensive guy, and some of this is going to depend on what he does in the weight room, but you were talking about needing to get more from the outside linebacker position. And a guy who I'm really intrigued by this spring is Jared Beatty. Uh, the guy is just an athletic freak, so I'm, I'm picking the all-freaks team. Um, but I think Jared Beatty can have a really good – if he can put that extra mass on, uh, you know, either as the next Seth Coleman or opposite Seth Coleman, I think he's probably playing behind Seth Coleman just from a positional standpoint, just based on his build. But he's a guy that, you know, he's he's got all the tools there athletically to be great, and once he adds that strength, I think between that and his natural quickness, he'll be really good. Yeah, I do. I do want to clarify something. I think Joey's looking for more deeper on the roster than like Tyler okay. Strain. No, I'm, I'm talking about like the, the people oh. that are commenting. Like some people are saying Matthew Bailey, Tyler Strain. Those guys might start. Like I, I think we're expecting those guys to take a take a step forward. Do you have an offensive guy, Ryan? Ooh, um, part of me wants to say an offensive an offensive lineman because I think somebody's going to need to step up. Um, but I am. I honestly think there might be a lot of buzz about Avery Jones and, and I hate to cherry pick a starter, but he's new to the program. He's filling in for, for Alex Pilstrom and by all accounts, he's a, a pretty good player. So how he assimilates into this line, if he's able to, to, you know, mesh in with these guys well and they, and 
fill that gap. I, I think he could be a guy that really sets the tone up front because you saw today, like they kind of struggled to run the football and it, it's not all on the running backs. There's, yep. there's a part of that that's on the offensive line too. And as much as they like to try and run it in the interior when they can with those bigger backs, I think they just, they, between the guards and, and I thought Isaiah Adams had a solid game, but between the guards and the center, they just really didn't open those running lanes. So if Avery Jones can step in and, and hit the ground running, yeah. I think he could be a guy that, that bursts on the scene pretty quick. Yeah, AJ on our chat said Hunter Whitenack. I, I would put Josh Geske in there. Uh, there. There's some buzz about him. Uh, I don't think they want to start him next year, but I, I do think they got to have more depth uh, on the offensive line, and you hope some of those young guys can step up. Joey, do you have any other points you want to bring up? No, I just offensively, I, I would take one of the current – the will-be redshirt freshman running backs. We've spent so much time talking about that. Uh, Aiden Lawfrey was a guy we thought uh, this year could, could make an impact, and I don't think we were unfounded in that thought. Injuries slowed that down. If he can stay healthy, I'm fascinated by his speed, I, which I, I think they could use uh, in what looks to be this running back rotation unless they go get some help. So I'll take him. Honorable mention, Sean Miller. Mm. All right. Any last thoughts, boys, before we uh, get out of here and Joey and I start our long trek towards Champaign, Illinois? No, I just uh, I'm I'm now mad at myself because I should have picked Sean Miller. I uh, I've watched him I've watched him since he was in high school. Went went to to IMG twice to see him, and uh, yeah, he totally slipped my mind. But that's a guy. If he stays healthy and comes back, he's skilled. He's real skilled. Joey, I got one parting thought. Thanks to John and the hospitality room man, oh. at the Hyatt House. John <laughs> oh and his God. wife were just beautiful people. Been there for 37 years doing this in the hospitality room. Uh, free food, which was fantastic, free food. But the company was great. Uh, they stood with us during New Year's Eve. We were lame and stayed indoors and just watched football games and, and uh, spent time with John and his wife and everybody there. So uh, shout out to them. That made it a great trip. Well, that was fun. Shout out to John. Quite, quite the heavy pour, Mr. John. We appreciated that. Uh, the first couple of days, it was just the, the Illinois, a couple of us from the Illinois beat. Hanging out, we we did spend New Year's Eve with our our new friend John and his delightful wife. That was that was fun. Uh, Jeremy did ask if I'd be his New Year's kiss. I politely declined, and, and then we got Jeremy up to to, to sleep. It, it was time for for him to call today. Put him to bed. Who, who was ready to go to bed at eight p.m. last night, Mister? I've been ready to go to bed at eight p.m. <laughs> since the time we got here. I am too welcome, old for East Coast welcome. time. Welcome, good. He's thirties. All right, uh, Ryan. Thanks, man. Uh, great to see you on this trip, Joey. Fantastic stuff. Hope everyone loved our coverage. Uh, try to cover this team and this program as well as possible. We got so much uh, coming up with uh, obviously some big decisions coming up, a big recruitment with Malik Elzey wrapping up, and, and more in the transfer portal. But thank you everybody for following along with us during the boat trip. And thank you to everybody we met. Like we, we met so many people during this trip, uh, especially with that bull bash, Joey, like so many people just kind, supportive of what we do. And uh, met so many subscribers, even some guys on the board that, that introduced themselves by their board names. I'm like, well, what's your name? <laughs> like your real name. Uh, but we, we appreciate that support as always. It was cool meeting them, Joey. Met two Pekin guys. Stand up to the Pekin guys. One of I won't say his name, but he's like, hey, he showed me all the podcasts. So shout out to Pekin for traveling well. Absolutely. So thank you to everybody. Thank you for following this podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get us. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. And, of course, check us out at alanainquire.com. Still got a 50% off annual VIP deal. So check it out there. More content coming from Florida, Alabama, wherever we get to tonight and when we get back to Illinois. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. 
right here on the Online Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.